This week on Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras, the conclusion of the story of Bhishma and Amba in the Mahabharata. This podcast is a production of Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web. In our recent series on the beginnings of the Mahabharata, we focused on the story of Bhishma and Amba, because it's they who propel this story forward and are responsible for pretty much everything that happens in this great epic. Way back in the beginning, we saw that Bhishma's story began when one of the attendants of Indra, named Dyaus, steals a cow that belonged to the Rishi Vasishta, and his punishment was to be born on earth to live his full life here among us humans. The cow that Dyaus stole was the daughter of Kamadenu, Kama meaning pleasure and Denu meaning cow. So Kamadenu means the pleasure-giving or wish-fulfilling cow. If we take a look at this a little more closely, it's a great example of the subtle symbology that hides inside these great stories. And once you start to unlock that symbolism, you can enjoy a whole new dimension of insight and understand why these stories have been kept alive for so many thousands of years. Vasishta was a Brahmarishi, an individual who's attained everything that could possibly be attained in human life from a spiritual perspective. So he represents the fullness of life and its wholeness, which is encompassing both the spiritual and the material, of course with the spiritual predominating. So in this story, Vasishta is an ascetic, symbolizing a state of independence uh, from or control over desire that's the natural result of a balanced spiritual life. The cow, which to a traditional agricultural society was both wealth and food, in this case the cow represents material life as a whole, the world of desire, and satisfied desire because it was a wish-fulfilling or wish-giving cow. So who can control the divine cow? Only one who's conquered desire itself. And what happens? An attendant of Indra, the king of the gods, symbolic of our ego perhaps, steals the cow from Vasishta and is ultimately kicked out of heaven, cursed by the Rishi to be born as a human where he's born as Devavrata and ultimately becomes known as Bhishma. And remember Bhishma's story, in order for his father to marry Satyavati, Bhishma chooses to be celibate his own life. So in order to restore the proper balance, mythologically, Bhishma refrains from what most would be consider the ultimate sensual pleasure. And as a little bit of an aside, it's interesting how similar this is to the story of Adam and Eve. When Adam eats the apple, it's symbolic of the senses when they make contact with the material world. And just like when we want something, we go chasing all over the place in life after it. And that's just like Dios did when he stole the Kamadenu. And Dios had to leave heaven to live on earth. Adam and Eve have to leave the Garden of Eden to go out into the world. It's not really all that much different. And Krishna, later on in the Bhagavad Gita, a a portion of the Mahabharata, uh, talks about this in chapter 3 in a verse that I particularly like. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, Kama Esha Kroda Esha, Raja Guna Samudbhava, Mahashano Mahapapam, Vidyenam Mihavarinam. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. Bhagavan is Krishna, and Uvacha means said. So, Krishna said. Kama Esha Kroda Esha. Kama is pleasure, but in a larger sense, 
at least in this case, it's desire for something that results from the experience of the world through the senses. It's a little like if we have one taste of ice cream, we want another. So the sense here is something like the desire for pleasure. Kroda Asia. Kroda means anger or cruelty. And because they're mentioned in the same line, the implication is that they are linked. Rajoguna Samudbhava. Rajoguna is a little complicated because it's a concept that we don't really have much here in the West. To simplify things, let's consider it to be the principle of life that leads us to activity in the pursuit of possessions. Samudbhava means born of. Mahashano means all-devouring. Mahapapam. Maha means great in the sense of large. And papam is usually translated as sin, but I think the word has a lot of cultural connotations, so perhaps we'd be better to use mistake or wrong action or bad action. Vidyanam, know this. Iha, varinam. Iha means here in the material world. And varinam means the greatest enemy. So know this to be the greatest enemy here. So, the desire for pleasure and anger, born of Rajoguna, are the all-devouring causes of wrong action. Know this to be the great enemy here on earth. Well, certainly Arjuna knew that. The Kauravas embodied this gross materialism by stealing away the Pandavas' kingdom, trying to humiliate Draupadi, their wife, exiling them to the forest, and now they have ended up in a battle that Arjuna doesn't want to fight. And Krishna is just telling him that, look, the Kauravas have wanted to possess everything. They want all the pleasures of life, and that desire has led them to anger and cruelty, and that led them here to this battlefield. So go ahead and fight them. Krishna continues to explain to Arjuna that the attraction for the senses is held in the object of the senses. In other words, the material world is, by its very nature, attractive, and if you want it, in whatever form, food, beauty, pleasure, or the magical kamadenu, then there is nothing to worry about because that's just the way it is. But there's danger also because the pursuit of kama, pleasure, leads to kroda, anger, or cruelty. Ultimately, in their conversation, Krishna explains to Arjuna that spiritual practices like meditation are the only way to live life with a proper balance. There's no ultimate answers in the material world, for that one must turn within. And so we have this great hero, Arjuna, caught in the midst of huge events well beyond his control, and what he learns is there is no answer. We have to do our duty in the outside world and seek answers or enlightenment, if you prefer, from within. Well, that's enough philosophy for now. We'll finish the story of Bhishma. Bhishma is the one who witnessed the Mahabharata completely from the beginning to the end, since it started with King Shantanu. In many different ways, Bhishma is a reluctant participant. He really wants to retire as ruler or advisor to the king, but through an unending series of circumstances, he just never seems to be able to. He very strongly disapproves of the Kaurava prince's behavior, particularly that of Duryodhana and his dreadful treatment of Draupadi. But he's loyal to his family and does nothing, even though he continues to try to hold Duryodhana in check. 
Interestingly, he's held in very high regard by Arjuna and the other Pandava brothers who call him grandfather. When the war becomes inevitable, Bhishma was approached by Duryodhana, who asked him to lead the Kaurava army. Bhishma agrees, but with some conditions, saying to Duryodhana, The Pandavas are as dear to me as you are. I will not try to kill them. I will, however, fight to the best of my ability, and I will destroy the Pandava army at a rate of 10,000 men per day. There is no warrior equal to me in this world except Arjuna, and he is far, far superior to me. He is the only one who can kill or defeat me. In the great battle of Kurukshetra, Bhishma, bound by his oath to serve Duryodhana, fights hard and gives it his best effort. Although he was already quite old, he was referred to as a tongue of flame licking up the forest which has been dried by the sun in summer. At one point, his, substan- his substantial military prowess, combined with Arjuna's unwillingness to fight him, almost makes Krishna break his vow of not actually fighting in the war. Krishna gets down from his chariot and charges at Bhishma to kill him with his weapon, the Sudarshana Chakra. Bhishma calmly and quietly folds his hands and welcomes the opportunity to die at the hand of Krishna. And don't forget that Bhishma, Bhishma could choose the time and place of his own death, so it seemed to be a pretty good choice. But Arjuna steps in and pleads with Krishna to stop and promises him that Arjuna will fight his best and redouble his efforts. Satisfied with Arjuna's promise, and also realizing that breaking his own promise not to fight would be a serious error, Krishna stops and the battle resumes. And remember, all this goes back to the conflict between Amba and Bhishma. Amba, as you'll recall, was reborn as a child to King Dropada, but in response to instructions from Shiva, the child was raised as a boy instead of the girl that she really was. This was fine, except that the child, known as Shikandi, grew up as a male, and eventually got married. As you might imagine, this caused a few problems when the new wife discovers the situation. The bride's father, King Haranyavarma, is furious and decides to invade Dropada's kingdom. But King Dropada has full faith in Shiva's instructions and insisted that his son was indeed a male and invites King Haranyavarma to send a few courtesans to spend the night with the prince. Well, Shikandi realizes that she's the cause of all this trouble. Not seeing a way out, she decides to go to the forest and take her own life. But there she meets an assistant of Kubera, the god of wealth, who is named Stunakarna, and he offers to exchange his manhood with Shikandi for a predetermined period of time after which Shikandi would have to return to the forest and reverse the change. So Shikandi, properly equipped, now returns to the palace, spends a night with the courtesans who report with great glee that he was quite the man. The immediate crisis was averted, and although Shuntakrana got into big trouble with Kubera, who cursed him to remain a woman forever, although he later relented and said that Shuntakrana could be female only as long as Shikandi was alive. Well, this meant that Shikandi was now male for the duration of the story, and that Amba, in the form of Shikandi, could pursue her goal of causing the death of Bhishma. 
During the great battle, Shikandi fights with tremendous courage and tries to fight Bhishma, but Bhishma knew that Shikandi was, although appearing a man, was in fact born a woman and was Amba, whom he had inadvertently offended so many years before. To Bhishma, to strike a woman under any circumstances was inappropriate, and every time Shikandi appears on the battlefield, Bhishma turns away. Well, Bhishma is a great warrior, and the Pandavas begin to realize that they cannot win this war if Bhishma remains alive. After days of losses, the Pandava brothers, accompanied by Krishna, go to see Bhishma in person. Bhishma is delighted to see them and compliments each of them on their skill and talent in fighting. Yudhisthira, the eldest Pandava, with tears of despair, finally says to Bhishma, Unless you're killed, we cannot win. I have to ask you, how should we kill you? How can we kill you? I hate this war, but I must win it, and I cannot win unless I kill you. Please tell me how. Well, in return, Bhishma says something that's actually rather surprising. You are right, Yudhisthira. Unless you kill me, you have no chance to win. And you must kill me quickly. Let me assure you that I will be happy to die but I am too powerful to die. I cannot be killed even by Indra. But I hate this invincibility of mine. I have not been happy, and I am pining for death, which will be a merciful release for me. He continues, There are only two people who can kill me, Krishna and Arjuna. And Bhishna takes Arjuna on his lap and says to him, My child, kill me tomorrow. I am so tired. You say you love me. If you do really love me, please kill me. Give me the peace that I've been longing for. Poor Arjuna. This was the man whom he had viewed as his grandfather all his life. And Bhishma continues, No one can kill me when I'm fighting. If you find me laying down my weapons, only then will you be able to kill me. If you bring Shikandi in front of me tomorrow, I will lay down my bow. I will not fight with him because he was once a woman. This Shikandi was Amba in a previous birth. And Bhishma goes on to tell the whole tragic story of Amba to the Pandava brothers and instructs them to place Shikandi, Amba, in the front of Arjuna's chariot. They leave Bhishma and on the way out Krishna tells him, You will be at peace. The next day, Shikandi, who, remember, is fully aware of his previous life as Amba, takes his position in the front of Arjuna's chariot. Shikandi accosts Bhishma and fires five arrows, which hurt him. And the text says, perhaps in her mind, Amba thought of the five arrows of the god of love when she sent those five arrows towards Bhishma. Bhishma, in his mind, even in the midst of battle, was reviewing his life. He recalled his father, the Queen Satyavati, the day when he took Amba by force and yet refused to marry her. Krishna, watching closely, says to Arjuna quickly, Strike now because Bhishma is ready to die. And Shikandi sent a huge volley of arrows towards Bhishma, who absolutely refused to fight back and set down his weapons. Taking his advantage... Arjuna began to fire arrows as well, and Bhishma said, Ah, these must be Arjuna's arrows. They cannot be Shikandi's because 
They tear my flesh as a crab's young ones tear their mother's body. Eventually, under Arjuna's onslaught, Bhishma fell fatally wounded, his entire body covered in Arjuna's arrows. But Bhishma did not fall to the ground. He fell with the arrows supporting his body. He had a bed of arrows. Now warriors of both sides came to mourn the impending passage of this great man, but he refused to die until the most auspicious time had come. Bhishma lay on the bed of arrows until the end of the battle and chose to die only after learning that the Pandavas had won, as he was now assured that the throne of Hastinapur was in safe hands. In his last days before he ascended to heaven, at the request of Krishna, Bhishma teaches the art of statecraft to Dyudhisthira, who would then become king, and he also recited the famous hymn to Vishnu, the Vishnu Sahasranam, which is a centerpiece of all the hymns to Vishnu, who had appeared in this story as Krishna. And that completes the story of Bhishma. So for chanting this week, I have three varied selections. First, this story was as much Amba's story as Bhishma, and the name Amba is the name of Parvati or Durga, whose fierceness is reflected in the anger of Amba in the Mahabharata. So we'll listen first to Amba Pancharatnam, in which she is described as she who lives in the middle of the mantra hreem. Then we'll listen to a very pretty song about Krishna as a child. It's called, called Bala Mukundam. And finally, we'll listen to Panchashanti, the five forms of peace, because there's just too much war everywhere and at all times. Well, it's a long podcast, but I haven't been able to create one for the past few weeks. So thank you very much for your patience. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Jai Shri Ram.
ಪಾತ್ರಿಣಿ ಭದ್ರಕಾಳಿ ಭಗಳ ಜ್ವಾಲಾಮುಖಿ ವೈಷ್ಣವಿ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಾಣಿ
ಪಂಚಶಾಂತಿ ಸಣ್ಣಯಂದ್ರ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿ ಸಣ್ಣ ವಿಷ್ಣುರಕ್ರಮ ನಮ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣೇ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ವಾಯೇವ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಸಿ ತಮೇವ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ಗತಂ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ಸತ್ಯಂ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ತನ್ಮಾವತು ತದ್ಭಕ್ತಾರವತು ಅವತು ಮಾತು ಭಕ್ತಾಂಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಸಣ್ಣ ಮಿತ್ರಶ್ಯಂಬರುಣ ಸಣ್ಣಭವತ್ಕಲ್ಯಮ ಸಣ್ಣಯಂದ್ರ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿ ಸಣ್ಣ ವಿಷ್ಣುರಕ್ರಮ ನಮ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣೇ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ವಾಯೇವ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಸಿ ಸಂಚತುಷ್ಪತೆ ಓಂ ಶಾಂ 
शांति